It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Sally Jacobs has been an archivist for over 15 years and has worked for the Library of Congress, the Wisconsin Historical Society, and other repositories. But when she really, really loves is helping people conquer the clutter and find the joy in their photos. Hi, Sally. How are you? I'm doing great, Amy. How are you? Good. Well, you know, you and I, we met online via Twitter. And actually, I was saying that I was going to do a great big holiday project and organize my photos. And you sent me the best information. I thought, hold the phone. I'm not starting until I talk to Sally. (laughs) So, you know, for those of us who have stacks and piles and boxes and albums and discs of photos... Where do you start as a family looking to organize your photos? Right. And first of all, let me acknowledge that it can feel overwhelming, right? Yes. One of the, one of the realities of this crazy modern life we live in is that we tend to over-document our lives. So when I'm, ha- you know, when I'm helping someone organize their photos and they're working on, say, the ancestor photos, right, uh-huh. the older stuff, too many photos is generally not the problem, right, because it was just a different... It's a different way of recording our lives. So now you're absolutely right. We have photos in multiple formats. They're all over the house. And what I recommend first is an inventory. Now, I, that may sound intimidating, but it's not a detailed inventory of every photo. It's more an inventory of all of the pots of photos, right? Because they're in different, you know, how many albums there right. are, generally what years there are. And this is really important because Photos tend to end up in the craziest places. Like there are mystery drawers sometimes. <laughs> photos, right? It's true. And so the idea is you want to sort of, you know, there are definitely things you can, there are projects you can do to organize your photos that can be done in small chunks of time. But for this initial inventory, I really recommend what I call a blitz, meaning a half a day or a, a full day. And it wouldn't take a full day to do the inventory. It just so happens that once people get to that point, sometimes they just, they're ready to go. They want to keep going. So, just make a simple list of where all the photos are. Try and get an idea of what's missing. You know, sometimes when people look at the collection as a whole, and your family photos are a collection, um, it becomes really obvious that there are missing years or there are people who aren't really documented well. And the reason why you want to do that is it's going to help you decide which ones to keep. Because some of the arguments for keeping a photo um, are its scarcity. Right? Oh, right. If you only have a few photos of one aunt, even if those photos are blurry, you may want to keep them. So you're not going to toss anything till you've inventoried everything. And if you've got an aunt who's kind of like that ancestor, very scarce, you're going to hang on to her photos for dear life. Okay, I get this. This makes sense. I want to ask you a question, and maybe you're you're about to answer it. But when you inventory all of these photos, should you be like you know, clearing off a, a dining table or are you literally doing it in writing and, uh, you know, help, help me understand the actual physical sure. steps of that inventory. Absolutely. If you have a table that you can take over for half a day, that's perfect. Okay. Because photos are visual. So you want to be able to see them and you can literally, I've helped folks literally arrange their piles or different, you know, containers of photos in a sort of general chronological order. And that really is the simplest organizing structure. For photos, mm-hmm. with the caveat that you're going to want to keep separate family lines separate, meaning um, mine and my husband's photos are all together, but his ancestor photos I keep separate from my ancestor photos. In other words, we don't mingle those together chronologically. 
Okay, got it. Oh, of course, that makes sense. Because, you know, and especially, you know, archivists use the term provenance. You might be familiar with from uh, Antiques Roadshow. Oh, yeah. Really what that means is where this item came from. What's this item's history? How did it end up here? Right? And so if, I, if all of my husband's photos are kept together, his ancestor photos, and there's, say, an unidentified person, because we know that that didn't come from my side of the family, that narrows the possibilities of who that person could be. That makes complete sense to me. And then you can wag your finger at him and go, look, buddy, you have to find out who that is. Exactly. That's your side. Exactly. <laughs> I can't help you with that. Although if you were a genealogist, you probably could. But other than that, it's that's up right. To him. So as we move on into more recent photos, right, that's really when the, the bulk starts to show up, you know, a lot of photographs. And the trick is that it's really up to you and your family to decide. I encourage people to decide ahead of time how much space you want to give to these, to your photos. What's a reasonable amount of space where you could have them in boxes, nicely cared for? And again, you know, we're talking about the keepers, right? The ones you identify as the ones that have enduring value. You want to bring them forward in time. Well, you know, Sally, talk about that, though, for a minute. Because one of the things that you said to me when we first met was... Get rid of the dreck. Those were your words. Yeah. I loved that. Now, yeah. so so we've inventoried. How do we decide? I, I understand on scarcity, but sure. then how sure. do we decide what to get rid of? Because you are so right. There are stacks that really aren't necessary. I do think as digital photography has you know taken over, it's easier to delete pictures that aren't great. Somehow, when we've got a, a printed photograph, though, we hang on to them like they're priceless. <laughs> right, and and see, the trick is that you know the photos that are you know, are valuable, really are yeah. irreplaceable, right? You know, the, people going back into burning buildings to get a photo, people, you know, oh, yeah. grabbing their photos as they're fleeing a flood or a storm, right? So the ones that mean a lot to us have tremendous value. But, right, the problem is that we don't discern between the ones that do and the ones that don't. So I'll give you a couple of guidelines, right? One thing that you can do, again, just sort of like deciding how much space you want to have for your photos, decide how many photos you need to tell, say, your story when you were in high school, right? How many of those photos need to come forward in time? And again, keep in mind that enduring value also has to do with what sort of value will this have for future generations? Yeah, that's the important thing. That's so true. You're right. you're in the corner of a photo, a grainy photo from high school is not going to mean a darn thing to your great-grandchildren. <laughs> that's right. And Amy, I guarantee once you start sitting down, like if, say, with um, the photos that never made it in an album, right, either because you took out the best ones and they're already in an album or you yeah. never got around to that role, if, once you start going, because I have plenty too, I mean, true confession time, you know, <laughs> of photographs of when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, but I do go through them every once in a while, usually as demonstrations, right? And once you start going through them, it's going to become obvious, right? First of all, it's going to be easy to spot the shots that you took at the end of a roll just to finish off the roll so you could see them. Yeah. And those young folks who are listening, that's how it used to be. <laughs> you couldn't just see the photo after you took it. You had to wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of extra photos. And so, right, what I want people to keep in mind is not every photo has equal value. And I can't decide for you which ones have value to you, but I promise you that once you start going through them, it's going to become obvious. And I encourage people, in fact, I have a test whenever I, I teach a workshop. Everyone in my workshop has to rip a photo print in half. Not Ooh. their own. I supply them. These are ones that are purged from my collections. These are ones that other people have purged from their collections. And it's just to get past that psychological barrier. Because we have so much love for our photos that are wonderful, and they give us so much joy. 
you know? Yeah. It sort of gets generalized to all photos, which, of course, are not all equal value. Yeah, but that's a good exercise. Just rip that in half. But that's what you do have to do. You have to get rid of the ones that just aren't meaningful, aren't good. But then how do you suggest, you know, actually then reassembling this collection? Are there things we should be looking for in terms of, you know, albums or boxes or storage? What do we want to do to preserve them the best we can? Sure. And, and once we're talking about the keepers, then we get into the joy of caretaking, right? So you yeah. decide which ones are really of value. Um, I definitely recommend that if you have time and you have the technical um, know-how, that you scan your favorite photos because it'll help you share them. Smart. And, and also, because what I was going to say is, you know, we, I really encourage people to display their photos. Right. If these are photos that give you joy, then they should be where you see them all the time. I agree. I agree. You know, in my den at my house, I have a wall of photographs and I just am so happy every time I walk by them. Exactly. Now, the trick is you don't want to put your original, your only copy, your only print up on the wall because uh, sunlight, UV light will damage it over time. So when you're scanning these photos that mean a lot to you, you're putting the scanned version in your frames and you're archiving, if you will, the originals? Right, right. Okay. And, um, it's, it's, if you're someone who likes to scrapbook or likes to create albums, then I definitely encourage uh, you to do that. You want to find materials that are archival. You want them to be acid-free and lignin-free. But there is sort of one step above that which is, uh, there's an independent test called the PAT, which is the Photographic Activity Test. And basically, it's an accelerated aging test where they take the, say you were going to put your photos in envelopes. So if the envelope is the one that's being tested, there would be photographs and that material and indicators, and they sort of bake it for a while. They use pressure and heat to simulate changes over time. When it comes back out, they see if the photograph has been changed. Oh, interesting. So they're actually looking for interactions. And if, it, if there doesn't seem to be, if there are no changes, then it has passed the test. So, so acid-free, yeah. lignin-free, I think I said that right, lignin, I always say that right. L-I-G-N-I-N, it's, it's a byproduct of the paper processing. And then the, the really sort of Cadillac of them all is the, yeah. the letter, what is, say that one more time. P-A-T. P-A-T is what you might be looking for. Is that jump up high in, in is that a huge cost differential? You know, I don't think it is. Okay. Not, there are not very many companies that do that sort of testing. And the, the trick with finding P-A-T past supplies is you generally can't find them in a store. Mm-hmm. So you need to go to archival supply catalogs. Um, there's Gaylord.com. LightImpressionsDirect.com. They uh, specialize actually in, in just photograph materials. And then there's another company called Hollinger Metal Edge. And is this information on your website, Sally? It is. You can find it um, here and there. Um, I can certainly put up a, a post that lists all the suppliers and things like that because it's, they're scattered a little bit. Okay. Because that's important. That's an important reference. So, so we put it in a good quality album or container. And, and from there, any tips before we let you go today about actually settling them all in? Yeah, I can tell you, the golden rule of preservation is do nothing that you can't undo. <laughs> that's a good one. It's just that simple. So glue is not ideal. So you want an album either that you can slip a photo in or if you are more coordinate, coordinated than I am, 
the best thing you can do is to use those photo corners. Yeah, those are hard, though, aren't they? I guess do you I put know, them on the photo and then put the thing in might be easier, than, but those are hard for me, too. I have never successfully used those, but they are the best because you can take the photo out without, you know, the glue never touches the photo. The glue is just on the corners and it sort of slips in there. Right. That's a good one. And uh, if you want to mark your photos, use a soft number two pencil for older prints or if it's a more recent, you know, how more recent prints are more plasticky. Yeah. There's a pencil called the Stabilo All pencil. And it will mark on the back of there, and it is erasable. It is undoable, in other words. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point. Online, it's easy to tag or to to make a note about your digital photos, but your hard copy photos, what information should we actually include with them? Because after all, as you said, this is really for future generations or, or, you know, those in front of us. What, What should we include with the photo? Sure. Well, the trick is, you know, I call myself the practical archivist, so I don't necessarily recommend that people mark the back of every single photo, especially when you're talking about more recent Mm -hmm. photos where you're going to keep a lot. Um, There's a couple options. If you put it on a page in an album, you can write that information underneath it. You know, name, place, date. Um, I would also recommend if you scan a print that you write the digital file name on the back. Okay. Because that may uh, help in the future. Help. Yeah. Scan it again because, again, UV light, very damaging. Scanning is a great, great thing because you're going to put that original into good storage, but you don't want to scan a second time if you've already scanned it. Okay. Because it's a pretty intense burst of light. Well, you know, I was glancing through your website, and I've got to tell you that there is a lot of great information there about how to be, I like how you you say, family archivist. And I think that that makes so much sense. But lots of great tips about how to decide, how to store, how to how to handle all your photos. And, and Sally Jacobs, thank you so much. I'm going to put your information on amystable.com. I'm going to tackle this, and don't be surprised if I contact you. <laughs> seriously, call me. I'm such a geek about this stuff. I can't. I do it all the time. Well, it makes me so happy. I'll tell you what. It is good practical advice. You have a good name for your company because you are <laughs> practical about it, and it's it's good advice. So thanks for joining us today, and I'll put all the information on amystable.com. Thanks for listening to Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. For more, visit Amy's blog with Q102 online at wkrq.com.